0: Huh? James Woodcott from jameswoodcott.co.uk and here I have with me Paul Ferrot who is here to tell us the benefits and indeed negatives that Microsoft's new operating system Windows Vista has. Paul is the owner of the super site for Windows, where he has a wealth of information concerning Vista, Office 2007 and other Microsoft ventures. He also features in the Windows Weekly podcast, or Netcast, as they are now calling them over there, over at the This Week in Tech website. Welcome to the show, Paul.
1: Thank you very much. Thanks for having me.
0: First, maybe you'd like to tell us a bit about yourself and your websites.
1: Sure. Let me think here. So, I, I guess I've been covering Windows and Microsoft professionally for about 12 years. Uh, I started with WinInfo, which is the news site, and in 1998, I started the super site for Windows. And you know, back at the time, I sort of intended it to be a a, a site dedicated to Windows NT 5.0, which became Windows 2000. And, of course, it sort of progressed into uh, covering all things Windows and eventually, uh, you know, a lot of the other things that Microsoft is working on.
0: And the most recent thing is the podcast, isn't it, with This Week in Tech?
1: Right, right. So I do all kinds of things. It's actually hard for me to even keep track of it. So I do have a podcast uh, that I do with Leo Laporte. I write a a monthly article for uh, the Windows IT Pro magazine, and I do various uh, other editorials and commentaries for Penton, which publishes Windows IT Pro Magazine, so I guess I'm all over the place in some ways.
0: <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. <laughs> yeah. So how long have you been following Windows Vista? Because it's been quite an interesting process, sure. hasn't it, to say the least?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's been, Geez, I'd have to think, Is it been four years? Is that possible? Maybe even longer? Let's see, 2000? Yeah, actually, it's been five years. So uh, basically, shortly after Windows XP shipped... Um, Microsoft started talking about the next version, which was codenamed Longhorn. And, uh, yeah, I've been looking into it uh, ever since the beginning of 2002, I guess, which is a lifetime ago, (laughs) you know, when you think about it.
0: Oh, definitely, yeah. So uh, the anticipation to it finally being released, which is only around the corner now. Right, right. So Windows Vista has been in development for what seems an eternity, with countless delays and now it is finally starting to appear in the shops, but there are countless versions of Vista making a decision for the average home user a bit of a nightmare, to say the least. So where should someone start?
1: Right. Well, you know, Microsoft has multiple versions of Windows Vista, which is a a decision that I actually disagree with. I'd like to see them simplify things. But my understanding is that with the previous version of Microsoft Office, they started looking into... Having many many different product versions uh, for that product, and that actually worked out tremendously well for them so they're they 're trying it now with windows so uh, you 're coming from the u k so you actually have more versions of Windows than we do here in the u s for example right oh, you look the, me. <laughs> yeah the n versions and so forth lucky you and uh but, you know, for for a consumer, I think it really what it breaks down to is there's really just a few versions you need to really worry about, right? So there's Home Basic, which is the entry-level version of Windows Vista. There's Home Premium, which is essentially Media Center Edition with some additional functionality. And then there's the Ultimate Edition, which is that sort of Uber version of Windows Vista that has all of the features and is super expensive. So I think for most people, it really boils down to those last two because Windows Vista Home Basic is so limited. And doesn't include a lot of that nice, uh, you know, Aero eye candy and so forth that I think most people really uh, should not even consider that version. So I think it comes down to home premium and ultimate for most individuals. And at that point, you can basically just compare the features and, and decide whether you can live without anything that's specific to ultimate edition or whether the cost difference is just too much to justify moving to, uh, to ultimate edition.
0: Yeah, I mean is the cost different because recently Microsoft announced Ultimate Extras where you get three little programs every now and mm-hmm. then. Do you think that's gonna warrant the extra expense that like we're gonna want these little extras?
1: No, I don't think that ultimate extras uh ultimately <laughs> will justify the cost, sorry. That's all right. Um I although, you know, we should see because uh, I was really surprised, you know, a few weeks ago when they started discussing what was gonna be an ultimate extras. Uh, none, of the, none of the things that they introduced seemed all that compelling. I mean, th- there's some neat stuff there. But um, honestly, I mean, for the price difference, that, that alone certainly does not uh, justify the the difference.
0: Is it impossible to envisage that any time in the future it might have these little extras maybe for a cost for home premium?
1: Yeah, I don't know. That's something I've asked them to do, and I'd like to see them do that. And certainly um, from both a business standpoint and from a consumer standpoint, there are extras in there that w- would be nice to be more widely uh deployed to people so for example that group shot thing that they were showing off at uh at CES would be a neat thing for any consumer to have it's just a cool tool and on the business side they have that bitlocker tool which automates the process of getting bitlocker installed in your system that should just be part of windows vista i don't understand uh, how they can justify only having that appear in the you know the most expensive version of the product
0: so to make things even more complicated, some retailers are also making available the OEM versions as opposed to yeah. just the retail versions. So as a consumer, should you avoid OEM or are there a benefit? What is OEM?
1: So this uh, is basically taking advantage of a loophole in, in the Windows licensing terms. Technically, you're not supposed to be able to offer an OEM version of Windows outside of a, a new PC purchase. Those, these are the versions of Windows that ship with new PCs typically. But as was the case with Windows XP Media Center Edition, we're already seeing uh, you know different retailers offering these OEM versions. So the difference is, is that an OEM version is essentially uh, the, the so-called full version of Windows Vista. It's not the upgrade version. Uh, that means that you probably won't be able to use it to upgrade an existing version of Windows to Windows Vista. I say probably because I actually haven't seen an OEM version of Vista yet, so I'm still waiting to test. But that was the case with Windows XP. Uh, The other difference is that you, you know, obviously get sort of a limited uh, packaging. It just comes in a sleeve. It's probably shrink-wrapped. But uh, you're going to get a different sort of support than you would get from Microsoft as you would uh, if you bought the full retail package. So this is sort of a gray area. With with Windows XP today, if you buy uh, this product in the store, Microsoft supports you directly, and that's how that works. If you buy it with a PC and, you know, if you get... Uh, Windows uh, XP with a PC, the PC maker is supposed to uh, provide you with the support. So if you buy an OEM version, uh, who supplies the support at that point? um, It's kind of a tough call, because again, this is a sort of a loophole thing. So I think the OEM versions are most appropriate for people who are uh, technically advanced, uh, or building their own PCs, and are trying to save some money, because ultimately, you know, these products cost a lot less than do the full retail versions.
0: Yeah, quite a radical... A lot less, isn't it, really?
1: Yeah, I was actually surprised uh, to even see that happen, so it will be interesting to see what the support for those products looks like.
0: So should people hold off buying Windows Vista until the drivers for such things as sound cards and graphics cards have been perfected, or is it beneficial for people to now take the plunge?
1: You know, I, I think it's funny because we're recording this just a few days before Microsoft launches Windows Vista, so my understanding is that on that day, on January 30th, when this product becomes widely available. There's actually going to be a a lot more drivers made available on that day. So I think we almost have to wait even just a few days to see how that's going to turn out. But, you know, I don't know. I mean, I think that, you know, for the average person looking at Windows Vista, the simplest thing to do is going to be to run that uh, tool that Microsoft provides online where it examines your system and tells you which devices are, are going to have problems and which software applications might have problems and so forth. And I, I, I think that over time, uh, those problems, uh, the number of those problems are going to go down. You know, So uh, I think if you're, if you're the cautious type and you are wondering, you know, is this the right time, you know, it probably isn't the right time. You know, I think the early adopter types, the, the very technical people, the people who have no question that this is what they want to do, um, probably won't have any problems if they upgrade right away.
0: I suppose it's more important for gamers to hold back, isn't it? Because the first wave of DirectX 10 games are quite a way off, and the drivers are going to be very iffy to start with as well.
1: Right, and that's that's one area that I've seen problems on, on my main uh, desktop system and on my main laptop, both. A lot of the OpenGL-based uh, games don't work properly because of driver issues. So games like Doom 3 or Quake 4, um, they're just unplayable because they look lousy, and it's just some some bizarre driver issue.
0: So we've got our home premium or ultimate edition preferably retail. How is it now is Windows Vista to install?
1: It's actually really easy to install and that that's been one of the nice things and this is true both for you know end users just typical consumers but also uh businesses because of the way that Microsoft you know componentized Windows Vista it installs very rapidly and very simply. So if, if you're familiar with the Windows XP setup process, one of the nice things about Windows Vista is when you run it, when you run setup rather, um, you're really just going to have to answer a couple of questions straight up front, and then it just runs for about half an hour and it's installed. And it's a, it's a very quick and, and, and seamless process.
0: Now, just to get a little bit more technical, on the mm-hmm. DVD, it's actually got all the versions of Windows... Vista right. on it is that right, and it's just the actual right. key that unlocks the right version for you
1: that's right and one of the the neat little uh, tricks you can do is if you want to sort of experiment with uh, different versions of Windows Vista um, you know a you can of course dual boot your system so you can keep XP on the hard drive and assuming you have a free partition or another hard drive in the system you can install Windows Vista you know to that partition or hard drive and then you can dual boot between the two systems you can make sure everything works but you can also go in and during setup, instead of entering your product key, um, you can keep that field blank and then it will give you a list of the different Windows Vista versions and you can choose which one to install. Now you can only have that thing up and running um, non-activated for a limited amount of time. I, I know with the the version that I'm running now, I believe it's 30 days. It might be less on the retail version. Again, I haven't seen any of the uh, you know the final productized versions of Windows Vista, but it at least lets you go in and, and look at the different features and you know see how they compare and so forth and, and also just test how Windows Vista runs on your particular hardware.
0: So if we'd already purchased, say, Home Premium, mm-hmm. have we then got the option to upgrade to Ultimate for a small cost, say, over the Internet?
1: That's right, that's right. Yeah, so once Windows Vista is installed, you can use the Windows uh, Anytime upgrade uh, to upgrade to different versions depending on which one you got so with home basic or home premium you can upgrade to uh to a windows vista ultimate and if you did happen to buy a home basic you can upgrade to either uh, home premium or ultimate
0: so you got plenty of choice and you can have a little play with it before you decide as well so that's all good
1: yeah you could also spend money on windows vista multiple times if you wanted you know you could buy a a computer with XP today, uh, you could pay for an upgrade to a different version of Windows Vista. You could then upgrade in place from that to Windows Vista Ultimate. You know, you could. <laughs> I mean, there's all kinds of different you know scenarios you could use to upgrade to different Vista versions.
0: So, what version of Vista are you using at the moment? What's your
1: favorite? I've been using Ultimate Edition. Um, I, I, I should <laughs> mention that you know I'm not actually paying for it, so uh, my oh, decision yeah. <laughs> is is a little simpler to make. Um, I think that if I was paying for it, I would probably go with Home Premium. Uh, I don't know that there are too many features in Ultimate that I absolutely need. You know, Primarily, as sort of an end user, I mean, I run all the standard applications like Microsoft Word and Outlook, and those, of course, will run on any version of Windows Vista, but I really enjoy the, the digital media features, and those are all available in Windows Vista Home Premium. So you get Media Center and Media player and DVD maker and all that stuff. So, I actually find those things to be very valuable. But uh, you know, looking at Ultimate Edition, I mean, I, I, I could live without some of the Ultimate Edition specific features if I had to.
0: So the new Windows interface itself is quite a bit different to that of what we had in Windows XP, such as the new, the mm-hmm. design, start menu, the Aero glass effects, and the way you navigate for files. How do you rate this new design overall?
1: Well, you know, aesthetically speaking, I, I think they have reached a maybe an even pairing with macOS ten. You know, in the sense that they've got all the visual effects, they've got um, you know an interface that is actually using the underlying graphics hardware to generate the display, which is you know less buggy and and offers better performance and so forth. I think it's nice looking, and I, I think one thing that they don't really get a lot of credit for is that you know in Windows Vista it is of course new and beautiful looking, and there's transparencies and translucencies and this, you know, visual effects when when Windows uh, minimize and resize and so forth. But ultimately what you're looking at is a a desktop that you're very familiar with already. So it's actually very easy to get started. So, you know, there's still a start button in the taskbar. The clock is still over there on the right. The, The start menu still opens when you click the start button. You know, the desktop is still there and works much like it did in previous versions. But Everything I just mentioned, of course, has been enhanced, so uh, if you're used to Windows XP, you can get up and running very quickly in Windows Vista, but you can also uh, over time you'll discover all of these new little features and there's all kinds of neat little uh, you know doodads and sort of uh, you know visual effects, which you know I, uh, some of them are just nice, you know, and some of them actually will make you more productive. so I think overall um they did a nice job at the interface
0: i must admit the first thing that threw me when i had a windows vista beta the public test was when i went to the start menu going to all programs and expecting it to expand out mm-hmm. like it did right from windows 95 and it didn't it all remained in that one column and no right. matter how many directories i went to it all stayed within that small space so that was quite a bit confusing how do you like that aspect
1: yeah you know it's funny, uh, that's a typical example of a Windows Vista feature where, you know, your first reaction to it is very alarming. Um, over time, you grow to get used to it. But if you uh, actually go back to Windows XP and that window does fly out, um, you don't like that yeah. way anymore. <laughs> you know, or at least I don't, you know. So uh, Microsoft did that because those pop-up windows were very hard to navigate, and people would get two or three levels out, and then they'd misclick, and the whole thing would just shut down. And uh, you know, in the Start menu, by by keeping that thing in line, um, it achieves a couple things. First, there's fewer click mistakes. But the other thing it does is it remembers where you were. So the, the next time you open the Start menu, it will be scrolled down to that same location in the list. So if if you tend to uh, click on icons that happen to be in the same area, that part of the Start menu will always be displayed when you click on all programs. So that's kind of a just a typical example of a neat little addition they made where you might say at first well this is just different why would they do this but over time as you use it you begin to realize that this is actually pretty neat
0: and i suppose the start menu itself has become a little bit redundant because there's actually a search feature at the bottom right and now it's very easy just to type word and word just appears in the list straight away rather than actually searching for it sure
1: sure so there's been some debate over whether the Removal of the run item is is a good move or a bad move, you know. And they have this instant search feature that you're talking about, but I find that to be incredibly useful. I I, I think that people who are not uh, advanced users will probably not use that as much as more advanced users, you know. Because like you said, I mean, you know exactly what you want, and if it doesn't appear in that list that pops up, it's very simple to type in word or whatever it may be that you're you're you know you're hunting for. The other nice thing about it is it's not just about applications. that thing will find documents it will find websites you recently navigated to and so forth. You can type in network paths you know and open a uh, an explorer window that goes to a specific location in the file system or on the network and uh, you know it's just a neat that's another thing i you know the first time I saw it, I thought, well, okay, <laughs> you know I don't know that I'm going to want to search from the start menu, but now I use it every day and I think nothing of it.
0: So when it's going to search browsing history, Mm -hmm. will it also check for Firefox browsing history, or is it just Internet Explorer?
1: Let's find out. (laughs) So, (laughs) um, you know, it's funny. I have Firefox set as my default browser, and it actually only does search for Internet Explorer on my system. Yeah, it's bringing up an Internet Explorer window. So my guess is that that is something that Firefox can plug into but is not doing yet. So I think that right now it's just doing Internet Explorer.
0: So does aeroglass actually help you
1: navigate with ease, rather than just something pretty to look at? No, I think it's just pretty to look at. <laughs> <You know? Okay. laughs> I, well, there's a problem with transparencies, and that is that you—you know—they did it so that you could see things that were below the window you were using. They did it so that the contents of the windows, um, you know, the actual application w- was the thing that was getting the focus. You know, in other words, by by making the chrome around the window transparent it puts the visual emphasis on the actual you know body of the application not on the on the chrome around the sides the problem is when you can see through you, you know there's other stuff going on below there so it does provide that kind of 3d effect which is nice but it's actually a little difficult to tell which window has the foreground you know the focus and if you have a lot of windows on screen especially if you have a really large uh display with a with a high resolution you've windows all over it um, it's a little dicey sometimes understanding where you are, whereas I thought that in, in Windows XP, it was actually a little easier to tell which window was, was in the front. So I think this is something they will probably improve over time, maybe in Windows Vista Service Pack 1 or in the next version of Windows that comes after that. I think we're going to see a, a fine-tuning of this interface. Right now, clearly, it's uh, you know sort of their first effort, so we'll, we'll see how that evolves over time.
0: Now I'm a person who never uses the word "cool," but when I tried Flip 3D for the mm-hmm. first time, I could only drop my joy in disbelief, and thinking, "Wow, well, this is really cool!" Right. So, did you have that reaction, or is it just me? Am I alone? <laughs>
1: no, it's it's awesome. I my only concern about it is that I can't make that the default task switcher. I'd I'd like that to be Alt Tab, right? You know, you have to use Windows Key Tab or whatever. So. Hopefully there'll be a, a power toy or something coming out next week that will let you just use that because that—that's—that is one of the cool arrow features. It's one of the things that you know really makes you feel like you've got something new and more visually interesting, and it's just a neat effect and it looks gorgeous. I...
0: Yeah, it's all about eye candy, isn't it? Really? Yeah, I mean
1: it's funny. I'm I'm just sort of looking at it now. I when they first did this, uh, you know, when they added this to the beta, it was actually really choppy looking and not very refined, and it's amazing how clean looking it is. Um, And this is another thing. I think as we move up to higher res displays and and high DPI displays, uh, this type of thing, will just we we can really get a preview of where you're going to be going next. Uh, It's just an awesome, awesome visual effect that's actually pretty useful as well.
0: So what would you say to people who have been arguing that Windows Vista is nothing more than a copycat procedure (laughs) to copy the good old Mac OS? Sure.
1: Well, that's a lengthy discussion, <laughs> so, but I would start with a few th- basics, I guess. One is that uh, you know people don't like to hear this, but you know Apple is copying Microsoft as much as Microsoft is copying Apple. I, I I don't think there should be any debate as to the truth of that statement. I mean, I think you know both of these companies are heading in the same direction, so it's it's only natural. There are certain things in Vista that are so similar to Mac OS X, it's almost painful. You know, Windows Calendar is a perfect example. Now, Microsoft told me when I uh, mentioned that that, you know, there are only so many ways of doing a calendar application. So, you know, maybe it shouldn't be surprising that one calendar looks like another. And, you know, fair enough. Okay. But regardless of where things came from, a lot of the things that Microsoft is supposedly copying from Apple, Apple didn't necessarily invent to begin with. So that's another story. But more important it's not enough, uh, you know, for one system just to have this stuff. So if, for example, there was a version of Linux out there that had some cool application or special effect or whatever it was, but if only 12 people ever use it, you know, whatever. So I think historically, one of the interesting things about Windows is that regardless of where something came from, once it is in Windows, A, it is made legitimate, and B, it is put in use by hundreds of millions of people from around the world. So... I don't sort of buy the argument that Vista is a poor copy of Mac OS X. I I think I might say it's an excellent copy of Mac OS X, perhaps. One that I find to be more usable because it runs all those Windows applications that everybody wants to run. It runs all the games. It works with every bit of hardware uh, that you can buy in any sort of electronic store or whatever. So uh, certainly there are similarities between the two. I I think the copying goes, goes both ways, but... Uh, I also think it's high time that Microsoft did something that was a little bold, uh, maybe a little dangerous, and I think that's nice, because they've always kind of gone the safe route, and that's the problem with the PC market. You know, Apple controls the Mac market. They know what the hardware is. There's only a a limited range of machines. They know exactly what these things can do. And on the Windows side, there are millions of permutations of PCs, and they have much... uh, more stringent backwards compatibility issues, especially because of all the corporations that want, you know, run Windows. So um, I think that Windows Vista strikes a nice balance there.
0: You just mentioned Vista as a gaming platform. <laughs> it does seem to be that Microsoft are really pushing this angle, especially with the success of the Xbox 360 console. Right. So what do you think we can expect in Vista that's really going to excite PC gamers where XP didn't quite?
1: Right. Well, you know, it's funny. Uh, more people play... Games on Windows than every video game platform combined and it's it's nice to see Microsoft finally almost wake up to that. you know they've they've been producing games for a while, but why shouldn't Windows be a first class gaming experience? So what they've done in Windows Vista is they've created something called the Games Explorer and this is just a front end uh, to all of the games that are installed on your system be them games that uh, you know Microsoft installed as part of Windows Vista or games that you installed yourself. Um, but I think that the big innovation, uh, if I can call it that, with Windows Vista with regards to gaming is not so much what's in the box in Windows Vista, but what Microsoft is doing uh, with regards to developers and hardware makers where they're basically creating standards for both you know, the games that you'll install on Windows and also the hardware that will work with Windows. So they have this new Games for Windows initiative uh, where people can get this logo and put it on their games. And what you'll know when you buy the game is that, A, it will offer an extremely easy setup. You you literally just, there'll be an easy option. You click on Setup. You don't have to go through any options. It will just do everything. It will auto-configure to your system and so forth. It will integrate into Games Explorer, um, which gives you integration with, you know, things like parental controls. And also that Windows Experience Index, which is the performance rating for your PC. And it will use this index to help uh, tailor the game to your specific uh, computer's capabilities and so forth, and uh, likewise on the hardware side.
0: So that's actually measuring how fast your CPU is, how fast your graphics card is, right. your hard drive, mm-hmm. your memory speed. Right,
1: so it can ev- you, you get a score, and, and these games can evaluate that score and look at the particular parts of the score and say, well, we know that your you know graphics aren't necessarily uh, really high-end, so we're going to tone down the graphical effects so that this game runs acceptably on your PC. You can change these things, of course, but the idea is to make uh, game installs as simple as possible, uh, which makes them more approachable uh, to average users. You know, technical, real hardcore gamers, you know, people, you know, build their own PCs and put in super high-end components and so forth, aren't really going to care about that stuff. But in an effort to basically make gaming more of a mainstream uh, thing that people can do... This will actually just—it just makes games more approachable and easier to use.
0: So, you're not expecting leaderboards like we see with programs like 3D Mark appearing just for the Windows Index.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, it's funny because uh, a lot of hardware makers will no doubt be touting the fact that you know this particular graphics card will give you a 5.9 or something. I'm sure they'll be uh, selling things in that way because um, there will be a contingency of of people that will want to get the highest possible score. So they're going to. You know, they'll bump up the RAM, they'll make sure the hard drive is this crazy fast SATA drive, they'll you know, get the highest end DirectX 10 video card they can get and so forth. So,
0: so Windows Vista, not so much as a gaming platform, mm-hmm. but as a working platform for the home user, does it require a fairly powerful PC or have you been quite surprised how well it runs?
1: No, I've actually been really surprised. In fact, when I wrote my review of Windows Vista, of the several machines that I tested it on, only two of them uh, did not get that Aero interface, you know, the high-end translucent uh, interface with all of those special effects. Since that time, uh, the graphical drivers for one of those machines were upgraded, and now that machine does get Aero. And the only one that doesn't is a, a first-generation tablet PC, which I basically just keep around for you know compatibility testing. So I, I think that um, people are going to be surprised. There's been a lot. Uh, printed online especially, about, you know, you're going to need a new PC. And uh, and I don't think that's necessarily true. If, if anything, people are will probably need more RAM. I'd say that's number one. I, the difference in the RAM, you know, requirements and recommendations compared to Windows XP are actually pretty high, I think. And, and RAM isn't expensive. I don't think that's a, a big thing to ask of people, if you know, to bump up their system from 512 meg to a gig or more, I think, would be adequate. Um, the other thing possibly might be the, the video card. But again, you don't have to spend several hundred dollars in the United States uh, you know, to buy a high-end video card. You can really buy an inexpensive, modern video card uh, in order to get those Aero graphics. So I don't think that these things are prohibitively expensive.
0: So what about older software that we've probably used on Windows XP, maybe even Windows 98 and, mm-hmm. God dare I say, Millennium? <laughs> Really didn't like that process, but we'll move on from right. there. So, what is the compatibility like? What sorts of programs have you been putting onto Vista to see what works?
1: Right. So, I've been running a, a wide range of applications, and I, I try to pour uh, as many of the applications that I actually use on as many systems as I can. And what I've found is that Windows Vista software compatibility is actually excellent, assuming that you're running the 32-bit version of whatever version of Vista you're running. Um, 64-bit, uh, there are some issues, and, and some of them are just related to it being 64-bit, and, and these go back to the 64-bit version of XP. These these were problems there as well. So, for example, anything that adds entry points into the shell, like um, zip utilities are kind of the classic example, um, won't run correctly on 64-bit versions of Windows Vista until they've been rewritten. So if you buy a program like WinZip, I don't know if this has been updated yet, but during the beta at least, um, WinZip uh, could install on in a 64-bit version, but you wouldn't get those shell extensions. So you couldn't right-click on a file and say, you know, add to zip file. That's that's the type of thing that doesn't work in 64-bit. Um, 32-bit, I, I've been really surprised, I mean, on a, on a very wide range of applications, and most games, although, again, like uh, you know, certain games do have problems uh, if they have OpenGL uh, graphics. Um, it's been pretty solid across the board. So I think people are going to be pleasantly surprised by that.
0: And just out of curiosity, what graphics card are you using?
1: Right. So on my... See, I have to look. <laughs> on, <laughs> I know that on my... I have a Lenovo ThinkPad um, notebook, and that's running an ATI Radeon mobility chip with 128 megs of RAM. And that runs Aeroglass just fine. My desktop has a Radeon, ATI Radeon X1600 series. Yeah, It actually has 512 megs of RAM. I recently upgraded that card uh, because, actually, I like to play video games, as it turns out. So I think in today's world, both of these cards are mid-level. You know, they're not high-end graphics cards. They're, they're not uh, truly low-end graphics cards because I do like to play games. But uh, I never really buy the the really high end stuff. I usually go for the what was the big deal you know a year ago.
0: And of course, you're an Xbox 360 gamer as well. Yes, yes I am. So, are you looking forward to all the Live Anywhere features? that's going to be coming to Vista. I am
1: really confused by this because I, I think that it's a neat idea. I like the idea of there being one system that works between both sides. So, in other words, you could have a uh, you know you have a gamer tag which is your identity on Xbox Live. Um, you have certain things associated with that gamer tag. You have achievement points, which are achievements that you uh, got by playing various games. And then you have a reputation, which is basically just sort of a five-star score based on how many games and how often you play and whether you play online or not and so forth. So you can you can have from one to five stars. So you move that over to the Windows world. It, it all seems to make a lot of sense, but the interaction between the two is what I find interesting. So they're going to have certain games like Halo 2 for Windows Vista and Shadow Run uh which is a sort of a Halo style uh first person shooter game. Um you're going to be able to play these on Windows Vista or on the Xbox and play against people online who might be on either system. And if you're into games at all, you know that you know PC based gaming you have a mouse and a keyboard it's very precise. It's a different style of gaming whereas when you're on the uh, console you have a an analog hand controller so if you're playing a first-person shooter or any other game where you really need precise you know, targeting or movement, it's a little more difficult on those systems. So these games are going to have to be programmed in such a way that the people on the PC don't have an unfair advantage, which they would normally, I think. Um, so I'm, I'm curious to see how that goes. I, I've I've not seen Halo on, the, uh, on Windows Vista yet, although I'm, I'm guessing it will be out in the next few days. Uh, I have played Shadowrun on the Xbox, but that just makes me wonder even more how they're going to pull this off. So I think we're going to have to wait and see, but I think that's an excellent idea. I mean, overall, you know, putting those things together is just a great idea, because ultimately you're just playing games, and it shouldn't matter which platform you're on.
0: Well, I suppose it's excellent news for the Xbox 360, because like you were saying earlier, there's so many PC gamers out there as well. Right,
1: exactly. Well, that's the big thing, you know, you get a, you know, Christmas came, and we had a couple of new games, and you go online, and there's no one there because the game is so new and there's so few people you know the Xbox 360 has sold pretty well but you know 10 million units compared to several hundred million copies of Windows XP uh these are two completely different markets and even though only a percentage of those people are playing games if you ever get online with a game like uh you know Call of Duty 2 on the PC I mean thousands of games at any time of the day available you go onto the Xbox they they're there but it's a little more difficult finding a game that you might want to jump into so
0: sticking with the Xbox 360, you can also use that as an extender for Windows Media Center, which is now part of Home right. Premium Ultimate Edition. It's actually changed quite a lot from the previous version we had in XP Media Center Edition, but what sort of new features can we expect there?
1: Right, so, uh, you know, it, it's funny. This is a uh, a feature that I've, I've I've sort of a contentious relationship with, but uh, I'm a huge Media Center fan. I, I have been since the day I first saw it. Um, this is the interface that my family uses for TV. So as my kids have grown up, uh, they're not grown up, but I mean they're, you know, as they've gotten older, um, this is, for them, Media Center is TV. And what that means is they have shows that record every day while they're at school. Uh, they, they don't really understand the notion of live TV per se. They don't really care what's on right now. What they care about is that they have the children's shows that they like available to them in, in a little library, and they can choose which show to watch, and they can pause it. You know they can uh, go get something to eat, or run to the bathroom, or whatever. Come back and and watch the show again. They can rewind it and so forth. So this this to them is TV. Now in Windows Vista, they've made it more available. So you can uh, for the first time you'll be be able to go into a store buy a version of Windows that has you know Media Center included, which is great. Um, they've changed the UI a little bit, but it's not completely changed. So it's sort of like Office 2007 in that they changed some of it dramatically and some of it not at all. And what they told me was that in in the next revision of this, which they expect will ship uh, this coming holiday season, uh, they'll complete that transition. So the version of Media Center that we have in Windows Vista is sort of a halfway house between the old version and the new. But you know, I would say that new to this version, basically they think that more and more people are going to be using it on widescreen displays, so it takes advantage of that extra horizontal space. Instead of scrolling up and down, a lot of the scrolling now occurs left to right you know, which I originally found very confusing, but you know, giving the aspect ratio of the screens uh, that we're, you know, I am using, actually, it, it works fine. You know, it works, it works really well. So, I'm still a fan. You know, I'm, I'm, I, I kind of want them to get it finished, but it is better looking, and you know, there are new capabilities around HD and so forth. But overall, it's, it's basically media center as we've known it. But I think now it's going to go out to a much wider audience.
0: So, does this mean you have a PC continuously on through the day so you can? Keep recording and playing back
1: Right, and it also means that my TV crashes occasionally Which is something that, you know, doesn't happen to normal people You know, I'll wake up in the morning and my kids will say Daddy, something happened to the TV And it's a dialogue box about some service crashing Or some application crashing or something So, um, yeah, unfortunately, uh, with the power of the PC You get the complexity of the PC as well Yeah, exactly
0: so a lot has been said about Windows XP and a lot of the security issues that had over its lifetime. Vista is promising a lot more in this area, so what can we expect here as well?
1: Right. Well, you know, it's funny. I, I'm, I'm interested to see how this goes, because I think that the day and the first week that Windows Vista are available next week are going to be very interesting, and of course the first year is something we're going to look at from a security perspective to see what sorts of... Uh, exploits and and vulnerabilities, uh, you know, pop up. I mean, I I have this sort of queasy feeling that uh, people are waiting for Vista to be released to the public so they can unleash these electronic attacks and and see what happens. But as far as what they've done in Windows Vista, uh, I have no doubt that Windows Vista is vastly more secure than Windows XP. I mean, they've done a tremendous job adding uh, security features both, uh, you know, really low into the system and then... Um, also, from the user standpoint, where there are, there are actually uh, security features that will, you know, that end users will bump into on a regular basis that uh, sometimes will be annoying, but at the very least, will uh, will give you the feeling that there's some <laughs> security work going on there, which I, I think you know people didn't really get that effect in Windows XP. If anything, I would say during the lifetime of Windows XP, uh, people became aware of the fact that it, it's just not safe, you know, to uh, plug a Windows XP machine onto the internet directly uh, with no sorts of protection because a system like that will be compromised very quickly
0: so we've got applications like Windows Defender which have appeared on Vista
1: so you're anyway, right so Windows Defender is the uh, anti-spyware application you know anti- malware it's uh, there's no actual uh, antivirus software built into Windows Vista so I'd say that's the one big area where uh, people are going to want to download or purchase something interestingly I Uh, During the course of uh, beta testing Windows Vista, I became aware of a free antivirus solution called AVG uh, Free Edition, which is actually excellent and and very low impact. It works great in Windows Vista, so that's the sort of missing piece of the puzzle. But I think the big thing that people are going to run it, well, there are a few big things I would say. One is that Internet Explorer is uh, vastly more secure in Windows Vista than it is in Windows XP. So that's one thing. You'll be seeing differences there, no doubt, because it won't uh, allow you, in some cases, to download or run applications off the internet, or it will at least try to protect you in more stringent ways than was possible under XP. Um, Things you won't see in Internet Explorer are the ways that it works under the covers, because in Windows Vista, IE actually runs at a much lower security privilege level than do other applications on the system. And they do that because IE is basically the conduit to the outside world. I mean, this is where uh, all of these viruses and and malware are are coming into your system, either through email or or IE. I mean, those are the typical holes in a a Windows PC. The big thing, of course, though, is user account control, right? And this is that feature in the Windows shell that uh, pops up these uh, security authentication dialogues anytime you try to do anything. This is a type of security that macOS 10 and Linux have had for years. I'm glad that they're adding it to Windows, but the problem is... All the people that use Windows are not used to having to deal with this kind of security. And I think a lot of people are going to find it very annoying. And unfortunately, Microsoft makes it pretty easy to turn this feature off. And uh, what I'd really like to see instead, maybe a period of a year, a couple of months, where you know people kind of got used to it because I think it's very important that this type of system be in place because basically what, what it's doing is protecting you from yourself. So, for example, if, if you try to run a setup application, uh, change certain control panel, Items or anything that will change could potentially change the underlying system. It will pop up some kind of an authentication dialog, and that dialog will, you know, is different in different situations, and it's also different depending on how you're logged onto the system. So administrators and standard users are going to see different types of dialogs, but the effect is the same. It's, it's basically a, a sort of a jarring visual change. You you can't actually do anything else until you've dealt with the dialog. It's basically at its heart. Just a way of saying, "Are you sure?" You know, and it's that thing you don't get in Windows XP, where you know you can do anything you want, and there's no check at all, and you just can run rampant over the system. And other operating systems, um, people have learned not to run as administrator. People have learned that they run under reduced security privileges and so forth. And this is just a concept that Windows users are not familiar with, so it's going to be a little painful. But I think in the long run, it's it's a it's a good thing.
0: So, as you were saying, the new Internet Explorer certainly has come a long way in what seems an effort by Microsoft mm-hmm. to maybe catch up with rivals like Mozilla Firefox. So, has it done right. enough to catch up with Firefox, which has got a quite a loyal following now?
1: Yeah, I think so. I mean, you know, this it's funny. Um, uh, functionally, I think that Internet Explorer is very close to Firefox. There are a couple of things that Firefox has that I still think are... Uh, superior, or just you know, plain missing in IE. But Microsoft has one thing that, that Mozilla does not, and that's Windows Update. So, I, I think through sheer force of will, by by pushing IE7 through Windows Update, and also by just including it with Windows Vista, you know, the majority of Windows users are going to continue to use Internet Explorer. So the good news is, at least this version is a lot more secure. From a functional standpoint it's not the joke that it was in IE6 where that thing just stood still for years and years. And Firefox was able to very rapidly, you know, add features and and ship new versions. But I think we're now at the point where the two browsers from a functional standpoint are very close. You know, Firefox still has certain uh, advantages, I think. It will always have the advantage of not being from Microsoft. It will probably always be better with web standards, you know. Whether it's more secure or not, I think uh, that we're going to need more time on that one. But at the very least, if if you must stay with IE for whatever reason, um Internet Explorer seven is certainly uh, a much, much better browser than it used to be. Now you shouldn't be embarrassed mentioning it. Exactly. Yeah, you don't have to laugh when you say, yeah. <laughs>
0: well that's got to be good news. <laughs> yeah. So what other areas of Windows Vista are worthy of mention?
1: I, I think that um you know one of the hard things about Windows Vista is that you can't point at a single thing and say Hey, you know this is why you need it. Maybe security, right? I mean, security is probably the number one reason. It's not a very sexy reason to upgrade, uh, of course. I think what's interesting about this release is that there are so many small things. For example, uh, there's a Windows sidebar, which is basically a bit of functionality that you know many people will say has been available in Mac OS X for a few years now. Um, you can download uh, features that are sort of like this, but what it basically does is it puts a you know little slab of real estate over on the side of your screen where you can run little mini applications. I believe that they're called gadgets. I always screw that up. <laughs> gadgets or widgets, whatever they are. Um, just mini applications. They're basically like little web applications, and you know Microsoft includes uh, little example applications. You know there are clocks and calendars and we- there's a weather gadget and um, you know a CPU meter and. Uh, a currency converter and all that kind of stuff. So you'll see fun things, too. There'll be, like, photo slideshows, little games. You can play Tetris over there and things like that. But the reason I find these things ultimately pretty useful is that I I like the ones that tend to be more productive or sort of utility-oriented. So I've got uh, different versions of uh, the clock in there because I I travel a lot, so I, I need to uh know what the time is in a different time zone or whatever it's, that could be useful. I keep multiple versions of the weather applet in there for the same reason because I you know I travel to Paris a lot for example so I want to know the time and the weather in Paris. And because I'm trying to uh you know get used to uh the metric system you know centigrade instead of the Fahrenheit system we have here. Um I keep two versions of it so in in Paris I know right now for example it's 32 degrees Fahrenheit but it's 0 degrees Celsius, which actually I would have known because that's (laughs) sort of a classic. But that that literally is the temperature as I'm looking at it. But this is just a way for me uh, on a regular basis to kind of glance at this thing and get a little bit of information. And and I think that that's what it's useful for. It's that sort of at-a-glance information. So basically a a strip of notification information. So if you run Microsoft Office, for example, uh, Microsoft has made gadgets for Office. So you can put your calendar information up there. Uh, contacts, tasks. And it's just a way where this. no matter what you're looking at, if you're running a browser or whatever, off to the side, you get this notification information. I think that's valuable. It's not a humongous feature, right? But it's one of those little things that's just neat to have. It's just a neat feature in Windows Vista. Um, you know, I like the digital media stuff. I think that uh, Windows Photo Gallery, for example, is an excellent application for managing and editing digital photos. I, I think it's a really well done. Um, Windows Calendar too. I mean, if you're not if you're not going to purchase uh, Microsoft Outlook, or if you buy the uh, the student and teacher version of Microsoft Office, which in the 2007 version doesn't include Office uh, Outlook, rather, um, you know, Microsoft uh, includes Windows Mail and Windows Calendar uh, and a nice Windows Contacts uh, database in Windows, you know, for free, and they're all actually pretty capable. So, kind of gives you a, sort of a baseline. Uh, That's much better than it was in Windows XP because, you know, Windows XP didn't have a calendar, for example. You know, Windows Movie Maker has been included uh, or improved, rather, so you can edit recorded TV shows. So if you're using Media Center to record shows and you want to archive them in a smaller format and you want to edit out the commercials, you can do that now in Windows Movie Maker, and I think that's that's pretty neat too.
0: So over this long road to the final Windows Vista that everyone probably will be buying in the next few days... Mm -hmm. Five years' trek it's been. (laughs) Is there any features from Windows Vista that were originally promised by Microsoft that didn't make it into the final build that you're disappointed have been left out?
1: Yes. Um, And and they may not be the ones that you're anticipating, right? So we know that WinFS was the the famous feature that was taken out. I guess I'd have to say, if you look at Windows Vista today and its search functionality, the things that WinFS would have made possible are actually mostly there and working just fine. In the early days of Windows Vista, during the beta, Microsoft toyed with changing all those shell folders like documents and pictures and music and not having them be standard you know, physical file folders but have them be virtual folders instead. So, for example, if you went into your picture folder, instead of seeing the contents of a single folder, what you would see is an aggregate view of your entire hard drive but only the pictures so it would be sort of a filter view of every file on your system but only showing you certain file types in this case pictures Um, what they discovered that was that people found this to be very complex and confusing so they ultimately backed off from that but I mean aside from that I think uh, you know we're seeing most of the WinFS stuff so I, I talked about the Windows sidebar which is a neat feature uh, in Windows Vista, but it would have been a lot better if they had gone with their original plan for that, and the original plan was that sidebar was going to be a replacement for that uh, tray notification area down in the you know the right corner of the screen where you get all those little icons you know you install applications on your system, some of them for some reason have little icons down there sometimes they 're useful sometimes they 're not the, the original plan was for that to go away, and that any application that needed to notify users for whatever reason would put that stuff into the sidebar. So, you know, as I was saying, you know, the sidebar as it is today, uh, especially on a widescreen display where you have that extra real estate on the edges of the screen, you know, would have been something that sat there on the side all the time, you know, providing notifications. So if you got a new email uh, uh, in Outlook or Windows Mail, that little notification, that little slice of square graphic that comes up uh, uh, from your uh, email program would pop up in the notification area of the sidebar instead of being out in the screen somewhere. And the the benefit of a system like that is that it it standardizes this thing. You know, in today's world, you know, Microsoft Outlook has its own system of notifying when you have a new email. It has its own system for notifying you when you have a a schedule item or, you know, a calendar schedule item. Windows Live Messenger has its own little slice of toast, you know, a little thing that pops up from the bottom of the screen. And if you run other applications, you know they all have their own way of doing things. So I, I really I like the idea of standardizing things like that because it, it makes it consistent and easier to learn. And uh, I think what happened was uh, they just found that the sidebar was too complex and there were too many things they would have to change for it to work right. So the version we have today is a little watered down. Uh, it's still useful, you know, but it's not quite the giant leap it might have been.
0: So is there anything else that didn't quite make it?
1: Well, there's all kinds of things. <laughs> I mean, well, anything you're you miss know, out
0: of them, I suppose, if we narrow it down a bit.
1: Because um, you've been no, there right
0: I, from the start. You pull. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I have.
1: It's you know, I have a limited memory capacity, but um, honestly, I would say that the sidebar is the one big thing that I miss. You know, th- th- there are certain features from XP that I miss that aren't in Vista, um, and the two that spring right to mind are, you know, one is uh, the film strip view, which was an Explorer view style. Um, usually for images, right, where you could uh, scroll through a list of images on the bottom and then it would preview right in the window. And because of my particular needs, I, I work with a lot of images for the website and so forth. I often need to sort of triage through them and figure out which ones I want. And it's, it's much handier having one window where you can delete the ones you don't want than having to open them in a separate window. This is not in Windows Vista for some reason, and I actually I miss that one a lot. The other one is uh, the photo importing feature, so um, in windows xp when you when you plug in a digital camera or you plug in a memory card that has photos on it, you know you get that auto run dialogue and uh, you get the same thing in windows vista it's a little different looking but the big thing that they lost, and this is just huge is the ability to choose which pictures you're going to import in Windows Vista. you can only import all of the pictures or none of the pictures and that and that is just so limiting, and it's almost insane. I mean, if if I go on a trip to uh, Europe or something for a week, and I, I visit you know three different cities, or we go to different places, I mean, everyone has their own style of organizing photos. But the way that I like to do it is, I like the different parts of each day to be in their own folders and to be you know segregated in some way. So, for example, if I go to a museum, I want those pictures together. If I if I go uh, you know to some family function, that those pictures should be together. In Windows Vista, you can only import these things all in one lump. In Windows XP, you could go in and say, "Okay, I want to import just the first seven pictures, and I want them to be called this." And now I want to import the next eight pictures, and I want them to be called this. You, you had more opportunity to fine-tune, you know, how things were imported. And I just—I mean, I just care a lot about digital photos, I guess. But I, I, I can't believe that they cut that out. It was such an obvious feature. It just—it seems bizarre that they don't have that.
0: So, on the finally, there's two new terms used in Vista, like Ready Boost and Ready Drive. Mm-hmm. Now, what on right. earth is Ready Boost and Ready Drive? Okay.
1: <laughs> so, uh, Ready Boost is uh, a system whereby you can plug in one of those USB, you know, memory fobs, like a memory key or whatever, and it, assuming it meets certain performance characteristics, which is basically almost any USB memory key that you'd buy today, um, you can use it as uh, auxiliary RAM. You know, sort of a cache of sorts, so it will increase the performance of the computer. Um, I haven't done any actual tests in the sense that I can't give you figures and facts and so forth, but on the, the Lenovo laptop that I use regularly, it has one gigabyte of RAM. And actually, I have to say, once I load up Outlook and Firefox and Word and you know, maybe the uh, web editor that I use, it really kind of bogs down under Windows Vista. But if I uh, I have a two gigabyte, you know, Titanium memory key, frozen memory key from SanDisk. When I use this as a, a, it's almost a complete two gigabytes worth of, you know, cache memory, um, the performance boost is actually quite noticeable. And it's the type of thing you have to, uh, you have to experience it over time. I mean, the first time you plug it in, it's not really going to do anything right away. But what it does over time is analyze how you're using the computer, what applications are being loaded into RAM and so forth, and it basically acts as a cache so that those things are all readily available. So the next time you run Photoshop or the next time you run Microsoft Outlook or whatever it is that you're running usually, those things will actually start up much more quickly than they would if you didn't have this thing uh, plugged in. So that, that's kind of a neat idea.
0: So what decides if it's good enough, the USB stick? Is it the operating system or have we got to wait for a certified USB sticks for this feature?
1: I haven't seen one that is certified for ReadyBoost yet, but I could see where they would want to do that because right now it's sort of hit or miss. I, I would say most USB memory keys today probably would meet the requirements uh, for, for ReadyBoost. I don't actually know what they are off the top of my head. I mean, They have to meet certain read and write speeds and so forth. As is the case with real RAM, you know, the more the better. One of the things that's nice about this feature is, obviously, if you have a desktop PC and RAM is cheap, you know, Going from one gig of RAM to two gigs of RAM might be pretty inexpensive and pretty easy. You know, it's it's not all that difficult. Um, a lot of times in laptops, maybe you just can't add more RAM, and this is a way uh, to add RAM to a laptop. You just plug the thing into the outside. It's very simple. This is a neat feature. You know, it's one of the, it, it's also one of those many little little things that just makes Windows Vista better.
0: And then we've got Ready Drive.
1: Yeah, so ReadyDrive is a system where with a, a coming generation of hybrid hard disks, uh, you'll be able to uh, boot up your system much more quickly and then run applications much more quickly. So these are hard drives from companies like Samsung and Hitachi and others that will be coming out this year that combine very large amounts of uh, static RAM. I always get that wrong. Flash RAM, right? Yep. Flash RAM or static RAM, whatever it is. <laughs> um, you know, solid state. You know, In other words, it's not a, not a hard drive type technology. But it combines that on the, on you know, in the disk with standard hard drive technology. So, uh, the first generation of these devices will be aimed solely at laptops. It'll be those two and a half inch hard drive uh, form factors they will fit inside a laptop. And what they'll do is dramatically uh, decrease the time it, it takes to bring up a, a system from a sleep state or hibernation. And then in, in just actual performance, because the drive won't have to spin up as often, it will also decrease the time it takes to load applications and so forth. So, like Ready Boost, Ready Drive at its heart is essentially a performance enhancement. You know, Windows Vista works great on standard ATA and, and SATA type hard drives, but with these upcoming hybrid hard drives, you should you know see much much better performance.
0: So one last thing for you then, and I'll mm-hmm. let you go, Paul. Okay. Windows Vista? Are you going to stick with it, or are you going to hop back to Windows XP at any point?
1: Oh no, I'm done. I'm I can't go back. In fact, I have a a single system in my office uh, that's running Windows XP, and I, I don't actually use it for anything um, other than my son uses it to play games. And I have to say, I, I find it somewhat painful to use Windows XP at this point. And uh, there's a lot of reasons for that. You know, one of them is the the start menu stuff we were talking about where you, you, know, you hit the start button and I want to type the name of something because I want to just go to it. And, you know, in XP, you have to sort of laboriously... Navigate through the Start menu to go find that thing, and I, I just—it just drives me crazy, you know—the—the the, the visuals and stuff, you know—that—that's all very nice. I—it—it it doesn't really, you know, I, I, whatever, you know, I, it, it's not—it's not horrible not having that stuff, but you know, the sidebar is one of those things I've actually really grown to enjoy having. I mean, obviously, I could run a system without sidebar and life would go on; that would be fine. But I find myself missing Windows Vista when I'm not using it, and that's true whether I'm in. You know, Mac OS 10, by the way, or when I go back to uh, Windows XP, I just I just find myself missing it a lot, and I think that's ultimately how you should judge this thing. I mean, if if it's painful not to be using it anymore, you yeah, know, it's probably pretty good.
0: Well, thank you very much for your time, Paul. It's been an absolute pleasure.
1: Thank you.